around us, but many times they're not there. But as long as I have Jesus, amen, he's everything that I need. He's my comforter. He's my healer. He's my provider. He's my deliverer. Amen. I'm thankful to have his spirit living inside of me. Amen. To be with me everywhere that we go. Amen. We have a comforter. Amen. For this life, to get us through this life. Man, he never really promised that things would be easy, but he did promise he'll never leave us, right? Amen. If we have his comfort, amen, what else do we need, right? I'm sure it would be nice to have some extra luxuries in life, but hey, having the Holy Ghost is the greatest luxury that you can ever experience in this life. What more can we, can you get in this world than a, the spirit of the living God living inside of you and blessing you and healing you and delivering you and doing all kinds of things? Amen. We really are a blessed people. Just having the Holy Ghost, that's all that it needs, all that we need, right? Amen. But it's great to get together in times like this to worship the Lord. Amen. As the body of Christ comes together to lift each other up and lift, and lift Jesus up. Amen. As our ushers come. Man, we remember the uh, events that are happening, not this Saturday, but next Saturday is uh, prayer walk downtown. Man, we're going to pray uh, for our city and in our city, walking through the, the headquarters and downtown. Amen. Amen, because we, we want to see God's will being done in Fort Myers and in Lee County. Amen. Amen. We got coming up the end of the month, we got a ladies' meeting, so ladies, uh, be prepared for that. Amen, we got school starting up next week, and so lots of things are starting to move up. Amen, and so we're excited for uh, all that God is doing. Amen, we, as we pray for this offering tonight, we want to continue to pray for those that are, uh, that are sick, that are not here, that are battling or, or traveling, whatever the situation is. God knows the need, and we know that God is greater than any need that everyone's facing. Amen. Amen. Let's bind together and let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, God, we thank you, Lord, for this time, this opportunity we can come and gather together here. Lord, we're thankful, Lord, that we can feel your presence move among us tonight. Lord, we know that you are able, God, to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Lord, every need that we bring before you tonight, God, you can meet and supersede the need. We plead the blood of Jesus over every mind, every heart, every body, every home. Lord, that you keep everyone safe and bring them home safely. And pray for this offering tonight that he blessed the gift and the giver in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen, amen. Let's come and give unto the Lord tonight of all these blessed us. you thankful for the victory that God has given us. Hallelujah. He deserves the praise and glory. We thank you, Jesus. Blessed be your holy name. Blessed be your holy name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. As we're standing, we can go to the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. We're continuing our series that we began last week about our relationship with God. Amen. Tonight is part two. 
Amen. Our text for this series is Genesis 2 and verse 7. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the breath of God? Amen. You may be seated tonight. Amen. Last week, uh, we began this series with the understanding that you and I are as mere flawed and incomplete mortals, human beings. We understand the many relationship roles that we have with people in our lives. And we understand the differences that each relationship has. While being just one person, we respond and we react differently with each relationship, uh, depending on who we are with. And if we can do that, then there's no question that God can do that. And easily does it with every single person all at the same time. That's where us and God really uh, are so much different. God can do it all at the same time, and we, we can't multitask like that. I mean, we, we have a hard time talking and listening at the same time with one person. But yet God can read everyone's minds, know everyone's thoughts, and he can answer everybody at the same time. That's, that's, a, that's a God that we serve. A- amen. And, and so in this series, we're looking into these relationships and examining the different responses and different reactions that God has towards those individuals. And last week, for simplicity, we broke mankind down into two biblical groups. Uh, You got the enemies of God and you got the friends of God. That's the simplest form, uh, the the categories that mankind is in. The friends of God are compiled in what he calls the church. Uh, the called out ones, the separated ones from the rest. Uh, and so the question is posed, can you be the friend of God and not be a part of his church? People try to and say that you can, but I personally don't really think you can be the friend of God and not be a part of the church. Because the Bible says that Jesus is the bridegroom. He is coming back for his bride It says that he's going to present unto himself a glorious church. And nowhere does it say that he's coming back for his friends. He's always always referencing the church. And as I kind of mentioned last week, uh, uh, changing out the word friend for church or body of Christ because those, those words are used a whole lot more than friends are. But friends starts with F and foe starts with F. And so as preachers like to do those uh, alliterations and, and words that rhyme. So uh, we got friend and foe. Um, and, and so uh, the conclusion that I've arrived at is that the friends of God are really only found in the church of God. Anyone out there wandering, wandering by themselves saying that they are the friend of God is, is having a hard time because they're disobeying Scripture because Hebrews 10 and 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. And so 
as the day of the Lord is approaching, which it is getting closer and closer as the days go by, the friends of God should be huddling up and seeing each other more frequently, if that's what the Bible says. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. And so the last time that I checked, a severed arm or hand cannot live apart from the body. And so you have to be connected to the church. You have to be connected to the body of Christ in order to be alive and to be a friend of God and not his enemy. And so when the church comes together, you should be drawn to come as well and to be a part of what's going on because uh, the church is what God is actively working through in this day and age. And so didn't Jesus say that I will build my list of friends and hell, hell will not prevail against my friends? He said, no, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell is not going to prevail against the church. Uh, and so last week we, we took a look at what God's relationship is with his enemies. And obviously we've come to the conclusion, and it doesn't take much brain cells to figure it out, that it's not good to walk around with a target on your back saying, enemy of God. Uh, and so we know that because we used to be in that category. We used to have that target on our back. And I, I'm thankful that I got that target removed. I'm thankful that I have left that camp and to come into the other side to become the friend of God and to experience the other side, his blessings and his, his grace and his mercy because without that we would not be here. And so we ended last week's lesson uh, looking at the common denominator of the enemy of God. as If you wanted to break down the enemies of God to different subcategories, you can, but it doesn't really matter because uh, they're the enemies of God. And we, we narrowed down what might be the common denominator, uh, and uh, we narrowed it down to pride. Pride being the culprit uh, of, uh, of everything, of all the enemies of God. They have so much pride that... Uh, they don't need God or they don't care about God um, because pride in its simplest terms says I can do it. it. It says that I don't need God because I can do it. I don't need his word because I can do it. And I don't need to pray because I can do it. And I don't need to submit and surrender my life to God because I can do it myself. And since pride is produced from our fallen nature, as we talked about, um, if we're not careful, we can become more prideful without even realizing it because this flesh, this carnality is just going to produce pride on its own because it's fallen. It's, it's, it's uh, born in a sinful nature, and it's born with the DNA to say we can survive without God. And so we can't get away from pride in our lives, but we can uh, learn, uh, uh, learn to crucify it and learn to humble ourselves and say, God, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me, God. Remove all of this pride, uh, anger, bitterness, anything that is filthy, filthiness of the flesh. Get rid of those things in my life because I don't need that because that's what the enemies of God uh, are found and are produced in our lives and they live uh, with those that type of fruit. And um, just because that we are in the church does not mean we no longer have to battle pride. 
Because, again, it's part of our nature, our, our natural human flesh. We have to deal with pride. Uh, I would argue that pride is more dangerous in the church than it is out of the church. It's more dangerous being in here with pride, filled with pride, than being out there because we feel the safety of these four walls. And we think that just as long as we come through the doors, we're okay. That uh, our heart, uh, the condition of our heart and our life and our walk with God doesn't all that matter because we made it into the safe place and everything is fine. Uh, pride tells us that. And so we got to be careful in the church if we have pride, is not a, it is worse than being out there uh, because in the church we ought automatically feel safe and that we are safe. Isn't that uh, what uh, many people believe? Once saved, always saved. Once we're in the church, you can't go to hell. We, we don't have to pray because we go to church. Uh, we don't have to study his word because the preacher tells it to me when I go to church. And so I don't really have to. And if I skip out all week long not reading the word of God, it's okay. The preacher will help make it up for me uh, when I, whenever I get to the safety of these four walls. And so, again, pride in the church can be a dangerous thing because as long as I go to church, I really don't have to do much outside of the church because I'll just run back here. Sounds like pride and self-righteousness has gotten a hold of, of somebody's mind and is polluting their thoughts. That's what it does. If the only spiritual activity in our life is here inside this building, the only spiritual activity in our life is when we're here in this building, then we just go to church and we're not being the church. We just go to church and we are not being the church. Didn't Jesus tell us to go to church, or did he say be the church? Paul said that once we receive the Holy Ghost, we become the temple of the living God. And so that sounds like we just don't go to church, but we are the church. Wherever we go, we are the church because we have his spirit living inside of us. And so we, uh, we, we get confused many times because a lot of stuff happens here inside these walls. But really, it only happens because we bring the spirit of God because it's inside of us. And so when we disperse, uh, the spirit goes with us. The spirit doesn't stay here and put up a sleeping bag and say, I'll wait, I'll see you guys on Tuesday or Thursday or next Sunday. The Spirit goes with us. And so uh, going to church is completely different than being the church. And one of those things is we are told to do, and one of those things uh, people do uh, with a false sense of security. Just, be, just going to church, people think we're okay. Uh, and, and so uh, we are the church at, at work. We're the church at home. We're the church if we're, uh, if we're alive at all because there should be spiritual activity going on outside of these four walls. If it only happens here, then we put God in a box, don't we? If it only happens here, then we're putting God in a box. God can only do something here at this church. Meanwhile, we carry his spirit everywhere we walk. Uh, and so if pride takes over our life and we are spiritually dead all week long because we don't need prayer, we don't need God, then, uh, then of course we're going to look forward to Sunday because that's when we come alive. 
We come alive when we get inside these four walls and we, uh, our mind tells us this, that this is where it happens. Well, of course, if we don't do anything all week long, if there's no spiritual activity in our life all week long, of course we're going to think that this is where it happens because really this is the only place it happens. But that's not how God wants us to live, is it? And that's not how Scripture teaches us to be because we carry His Spirit everywhere we go. Jesus told His disciples, Go ye therefore in all the world, teach the gospel, and baptize in them. He didn't say go and hide behind four walls and wait for them. He said you need to go out there. Why? Because I'm going with you. And the spiritual activity you experience in the temple it can just as well happen out there. And look at many of the many miracles, signs, and wonders that the apostles did. They weren't, it wasn't, they didn't wait till they came to the church. They said, hey, silver and gold have I none, such as I have give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. He wasn't at church, was he? I mean, he was on his way to church, but he said, hey, I, I've got the Holy Ghost inside of me. When you come in contact with me, you we might as well be in church together because it's the spirit of the living God that makes the church happen, that makes the church alive. And so I want to be alive not just in here, but I want to be alive out there, outside the four walls to have some supernatural things going on in my life and so we are leaving the the category of enemy of God that people are filled with pride so much pride that many of them uh, are blinded their consciences are seared they don't even realize that they're so far from God or or they're so stubborn they don't want to go to God uh, so uh, they're filled with pride and so uh, that's the underlying uh, common denominator in the enemies of God. And so uh, moving to the, the friend of God category, um, what is it that enables this transition from enemy of God to friend of God? What is it that makes this process happen for, for someone who is actively an enemy of God who's facing God's lightning bolts, facing his judgment, um, and, and God is, uh, resists the proud, and so God is resisting them. Uh, but one day uh, they can be transformed and they can become a friend of God. What, what makes this change take place? That's quite the transformation. And, and you and I, we, we experience that and we understand that because we, 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 we live that our lives uh, ourselves and we understand that nowadays, but uh, we're talking about a huge move, aren't we? A complete life transformation going from the enemy of God to the friend of God. It's life-altering. It's destiny-altering. It has eternal ramifications uh, because of this move. And so what is this? What, what enables you to switch to the other side? If we can boil it down to one thing, what one thing could we say it is? And, and obviously we know it's, it's more than just one thing. But uh, what is the one thing that makes someone a friend of God? Obviously, I think our first response is we would say that it is the new birth. That being born again. Um, obviously, you're transformed, you're filled with His Spirit, you're baptized in His name, and uh, you repent of your sins, and obviously, you, you jump from being the enemy of God to the friend of God. And, 
And, and obviously that is essential. That has to happen. Without that, you cannot uh, become uh, a friend of God. But uh, I'm trying to get us to think a little bit deeper. Uh, and so let me ask you um, if, if that is the only thing that makes somebody switch over. Let me ask you, has a backslider been born again? Does, did a backslider obey Acts 2.38? Were they baptized in Jesus' name and did they speak in tongues? And, and, and so uh, they, they're still the friend of God because they've been born again at some point in their life. So if we've been born again and a backslider's been born again, then we're both on the same page, right? But it's got to be more than that because we're both, we both have that same experience or shared, but one's in a church and one's not. Uh, and so there's got to be more uh, to it than just Acts 2.38. And so what besides being born again does it take to become a friend of God and to stay the friend of God? I would suggest that uh, prayer is that one thing. Obviously, it can be many other things, but I, I think prayer is that one thing that paves the way into a friendship, into a fresh relationship with God, and that it keeps it open and active in a healthy relationship is prayer, is that constant communication with God. Because we have all had many friendships throughout our lives, haven't we? What is the one thing that determines if you are still friends today? My, my closest friends in elementary and middle school and high school, I'm not really friends with now. Yet, years ago, we were best friends. What, what changed? Communication. We just haven't communicated. We haven't talked with each other. And so that friendship that used to be so close now is, is pretty much non-existent. I mean, you see the name or you might see a, a, a post online and it may bring you uh, bring those memories back, but we're, we're not best friends like we used to be. And that all boils down to one thing, communication. Had we stayed in communication, we would still be good, close friends. Uh, and so communication is the key to any healthy relationship. And those that are backslidden but have obeyed Acts 2.38, I wonder how their communication is with the God Almighty. I would say that not much communicating with a friend over time, uh, that friendship begins to fade away. It doesn't matter who, who you're with, uh, but especially uh, if you're going to be called a friend of God, uh, you're going to have to ha communicate with your friend, right? Uh, and so the, least, the, 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 the less that we communicate with God, the, the, the more that friendship begins to dwindle uh, uh, away. And, and pretty soon, uh, maybe that's, that's what happened to the backsliders where they stopped coming for whatever reason. I would, I would surmise and I would say that prayer might have a big part in that. Maybe they thought they were safe inside the four walls and didn't really have to do anything because the preacher does it all for them when they arrive. Uh, and, and so I, I would think that somebody who is consistently communicating with God and praying with God, they're, they're going to have a much harder time of walking out those doors than somebody who says, I, I need you, Jesus. I need you every day. I can't get through the day without you, Lord. Where are you, Jesus? I need you in my life. I need more of you in my life. And so communication with God. God is going to be uh, the one thing 
that keeps a strong relationship between us and God. And so there are, there are two bridges, two, two, two lanes, two ways, if you will, that span the gap of uh, being a friend of God and the enemy of God. Uh, one lane uh, we've already talked about is called pride. And so if you're, if you're walking in pride, you're walking towards the enemy of God because that's where pride is going to take you. That's the underlying uh, denominator the common thread in the enemies of God is they're filled with pride because God resists the proud. Uh, and so walking in pride, you're, you're, you're going uh, in the wrong lane. You're, in the, you're going north when you should be going south or whatever direction you want to put there. Um, and so the other, way, the other lane, the other bridge that leans toward the friend of God camp, the friend of God's side is called humility uh, because we, we, we read last week in 1 Peter 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace unto the humble. And so one way is pride, the other way is grace. Pride leads you to the enemy of God camp and humility is going to lead you to the friend of God camp. And so just, it just matters of which, which lane that you're walking in, which, what is leading us in the path. Uh, in the steps that we're taking. Uh, pride says I can't, uh, or humility says I can't do it on my own, that I need you, that I need more of you, that I need to decrease so that you may increase in my life. That's the path of humility. And, and we know the path of pride is not going to confess those things because you have all you need, and that is yourself. And so why, why would I spend time in prayer if I can do it myself? Why? So I, I would say that if we would examine our, our prayer life, you, if you would do an assessment, an honest assessment of your communication with God, you should be able to tell which side of the road or which lane you're walking in, right? Humility is going to lead to prayer and pride is going to lead to prayerlessness. And only one of those things is important. One of, only one of those things is going to lead you to uh, the everlasting life. Uh, one of those uh, will not confess that prayer is important. Um, but one of them will show you that prayer is important by spending time in prayer. Uh, and, and so, uh, because without prayer, what do we really have? We really don't have much. We have a similar experience that a backslider had. Uh, and so to highlight the importance of prayer, um, we, we might as well say to highlight the importance of daily prayer because uh, we need God every day. There's not a day that goes by that we don't need prayer, that we don't need God. And the way to communicate with God is, is through prayer. Uh, and so... Um, I've got some uh, handouts here. Can I get a? Can I get some help here to hand these out to um, everybody here? So uh, tonight we're going to finish uh, talking about the importance of prayer uh, because really that is that is the main thing. Like without prayer. Uh, 
our relationship with God is, is pretty much nil, non-existent. And we need, we need to have that walk and that relationship with God. Uh, because in Matthew, uh, Matthew 7, 21, what did Jesus say? Many will say to me in those days, Lord, Lord, have we not done all these things in your name? Cast out devils and all these things, many, many wonderful works. And what did Jesus say? Depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. You never talked to me. We never communicated. We're, yeah, you say we're friends on Facebook, but you never messaged me. I don't even know you. Yeah, we, we got that check mark that we're friends, but we've never talked. You know, uh, that's what Jesus is saying in Matthew 7, 21. We're friends on Facebook, but we're never, we never talked. And so depart from me. I'm, clean, I'm purging my friends list and we never communicate. You guys seen those posts. If you don't say something on my post, I'm going to delete you. Well, they never delete you, do they? Jesus is actually going to delete people. Uh, and so communication is the key. Communication is where it's at. And so uh, communication to the Christian uh, is uh, prayer. And so... Uh, instead of talking about prayer, we're going to talk about prayerlessness. No prayer or, or less prayer than we should have. Um, and it, how it affects our spiritual walk and our friendship with the Almighty God. Uh, and so prayerlessness, number one, is uh, direct disobedience to the command of Christ. In Matthew 26 and 41, Jesus says to his disciples, he says to his friends, he says to his followers, what does he say? Watch and pray. Watch and pray. That's all, period. And that's all you got to say, watch and pray. In English class, we understand watch and pray, that's a command. Somebody gave a command, watch and pray. Complete sentence. Uh, and, and so uh, Jesus doesn't give any details about it. He doesn't give any parameters. He doesn't say, watch and pray uh, on Tuesday because Tuesday is Temptation Tuesday. Uh, he just says, watch and pray. No, no limitations on it, no boundaries. And so it, it, he can, Jesus could have meant one, one time or it can be applied every single day. Because we don't know when temptation comes, do we? Temptation can be there every single day. But Jesus' command to his followers, command to his friends, is to watch and pray. And so uh, not praying is directly disobeying the commandment of Christ. Uh, and so number two, using the same verse, uh, makes me vulnerable Makes me vulnerable to temptation. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. Uh, and so he adds a little bit more explanation of why you should pray. But he still doesn't say how much you should pray. He just says you need to pray. Uh, why? So you do not enter into temptation. Uh, and so if we are uh, the friends of God... Um, and we know that God has enemies, and obviously the, the main enemy is Satan um, and his, his, his demons that are with him. Uh, and so obviously they're uh, attacking uh, humans as well. Um, and if the devil is 
Jesus' enemy, why would we want to listen to our friend's enemy and get caught up with him and, and do what he tempts us to do? How is that being a good friend to Jesus if we're listening to his enemy? And so that's why Jesus says you need to watch and you need to pray so that you don't enter into uh, temptation. Because if you don't pray, that means that we become vulnerable to temptation and we're not being a very good friend. Because we can, uh, we'll, we'll eventually be hurting our friend, the one that we say we love, all because we're not praying as much. Uh, and therefore we're falling in temptation and sinning and, and breaking our friend's heart because uh, we're not being careful with our relationship. We should be able to, we should be guarding our relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what prayer does. It helps you be watchful and, and prayerful to be aware of what the enemy is doing so we don't uh, take the wrong side in a decision that we make. And, and so, uh, number three, uh, prayerlessness is direct disobedience to the Word of God in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 that says, pray without ceasing. Again, uh, there's no uh, real parameters on there. Obviously, it says pray without ceasing. Um, and it's we understand that uh, it's not literally speaking that because then we're, we're good for nothing. We can't even, we can't do anything because we're always praying. Uh, and it doesn't mean to, to lock ourselves up and pray till we dry up like a raisin and die. Uh, it, it's you got you got to be praying uh, and just kind of being in a mindset that hey, you're watching and you're praying and you're ready to pray at any moment. You're you're, you're understanding temptation. You you feel uh, the spiritual activity moving in. Why? It's because you're you're always kind of spiritually aware of what's going on. But if but if we're not praying, then we become uh, desensitized to what's going on around us. And how can we uh, experience the supernatural? How can we uh, see spiritual, uh, uh, supernatural signs and wonders if we're not really understanding what's going on around us? Uh, and, and so uh, it's, it's disobeying the word of God that says pray without ceasing. Uh, and so obviously we want to pray because we don't want to disobey uh, Jesus' command in number one, and also another reference in of number three to always should be uh, prayerful about things. Number four is expresses independence, no need for God. Uh, Psalms 14 and 1, it says, The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. There's no God, I don't need to pray. If there is a God, I probably should pray. Uh, and so the fool says, I don't need to pray, I, I'm, I'm on my own. I can do it on my own. I can, uh, I can make it on my own. Uh, praying is a waste of time. Uh, basically, it lines up with a fool that says there's no God because uh, if we're not praying and communicating with our with our friend and, and we're not uh, in contact with, with our Lord and Savior, then we're really just kind of walking around saying there is no God, right? Number five, uh, gives place to the enemy and makes me defenseless to his schemes. Gives place to the enemy. And makes me defenseless to his schemes. 
This is found in Ephesians chapter 6. You may recognize this passage uh, talking about the armor of God. Uh, verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. How do we be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might? We put on the whole armor of God. You may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You're not going to be able to stand against the devil without the armor of God. Uh, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Because of that, because of our enemy, because of, of who they are, we have to put on the armor of God. Take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. When you've done all you can, you just stand there and wait for God to show up. Because God knows you've done all you can. And you've done what you could, and you fought the good fight, and you let God come in and finish the rest. But we have to do our part. We can't just walk around in life act, acting like God's going to do everything. No, we're told here to put on the armor of God and fight and do our best we can in battle. And when we've given our all, we stand and wait for God. Uh, and so... Uh, Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth, having them put on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you should be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, we, we usually stop, okay, we have went through the, all the armor, we're good, we're set, we're ready to go to battle. But Paul is not finished talking about warfare. He goes on to verse 18, says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching therefore unto the perseverance and supplication for all saints. And so uh, it's not just putting on the armor of God, that's good. But Paul says, you're not finished yet. Don't go out there just yet. You got a, a part of the armor of God is also praying. And so what good is putting on the armor if we don't even pray? Because prayer is going to give us the sensitivity to understand where the wiles of the devil are coming, are, where those fiery darts are coming, the sensitivity to the spirit to say, hey, you need to raise your shield here, and you need to draw your sword there. Uh, what good is having the armor of God if you don't know where the enemy is and where to fight? And so that's why he says you need to pray as well. Because if you're putting on spiritual armor, uh, you're going to have to pray because prayer's a spiritual thing. Uh, and so it's like putting it all on, but you're uh, uh, buying a, a, an awesome robot that has all the armor, uh, but prayer is the computer brain in, in, his, in, his, in his head. And so without that, it's useless, right? You don't know where to go, what to do, what programs to do, and what to do. And so prayer is that communication to where uh, we're able to effectively use the spiritual armor that we all know about. And that way, I pray we all put on, uh, but you got to put it on in prayer. And you also got to keep praying uh, in order to, to be effective because that's what Paul says. He didn't stop at verse 17. He says, uh, also, you need to pray always. And again, that doesn't put any timeline on things. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. Again, uh, there's no timelines on it. And so that must mean it, it applies in all times, all situations, and any day it applies. Uh, and so we need to make sure that we uh, are able to defend and defeat the attacks of the enemy. By putting the, on the armor of God and also praying. 
Uh, number six, uh, prayerlessness results in powerlessness. No power. James 5.16, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The only way you're going to avail much is through a fervent prayer. And so if we're, if we're not praying, then we're not being able to affect much. Where that means we don't have the power that we think that we have. And, and so praying is where we get our connection to the Almighty God. And the power of God flows through us because we have that channel that is open and the door uh, the hinges are nice and greased and smooth, and so it opens uh, without getting stuck or rusted because it hasn't been opened in a while. Prayer keeps things open and fluid between us and God. And so when God wants to do something great in our lives, uh, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man is going to avail much. It's going to avail, avail much power uh, and much uh, supernatural uh, activity if we remain connected to our source. Um, Moving on to number seven, prayerlessness hinders me, it hinders me from knowing his will, knowing his priorities, and knowing his direction. How can we know what God wants if we never talk to him? Psalms 25, 1 through 5, a psalm of David, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Oh, my God, I, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day long. Somebody who is full of pride isn't going to say one of those is going to isn't going to say any of those things. But somebody that is clothed with humility understands that hey, I'm going to wait on the Lord. I don't know which way to go. I don't know what direction I need to go. Uh, and so that's why we're going to pray and we're going to wait on God. And because uh, if not doing that, it's going to hinder me from knowing His will, His priorities, and His direction because uh, I haven't communicated with Him. And so. Prayerlessness hinders us from knowing where and what God wants to do in our lives. Number eight, it forces me to operate in the realm of the natural versus the supernatural. You can't operate in the supernatural if we're not praying in the, in the spirit. Uh, we're just walking around with our natural selves. And John 6.63 it is the spirit that quickeneth, or that gives life. The flesh profiteth nothing, and the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And so uh, it's the spirit uh, that moves in us and, and, and gives us the life that we have and, and blesses us and, and, and speaks to us and, and gives us uh, wisdom and knowledge and understanding uh, and helps us to, to walk and to fight the spiritual uh, apostolic life that we are called to. And so uh, without prayer, we're just stuck in the natural and we're defenseless against the enemy because the enemy is not natural. If the enemy was natural, we could buy up all the guns and kill the enemy. But, our, but the guns aren't going to do anything. You can have all the, all the bullets you want. It's not going to do anything for the devil. 
Uh, and so prayer is what plugs us into the supernatural and lifts us out of this natural uh, uh, prison that we're in, this flesh that holds us back because, as Jesus said, the spirit uh, indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Uh, and so uh, the only way you break down that barrier is through prayer and fasting and the word of God. Uh, and so uh, we don't want to be prayerless. We want to be prayerful about things. Uh, and so number nine, prayerlessness limits and it also defines my relationship with God. It limits it and it also defines it, my relationship with God. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. The only way you're going to know the voice of God is when you're talking with him, communicating with him, uh, and praying with him. And so without that, it limits your relationship with God, and it also defines what kind of sheep you are. It defines your relationship with God. God can be calling a sheep over here, and, and if, we're not, if we don't know his voice, we can be listening to something else and going, walking off a cliff. Uh, and, and so it, it limits your relationship, but it also defines your, your relationship and how good and how deep and how strong it is uh, with God. Uh, number 10, uh, prayerlessness leaves me troubled. It leaves me troubled, it leaves me stressed, and it leaves me weak. If I don't pray, I'm going to be troubled, I'm going to be stressed out, and I'm going to be weak. Psalms 88, let my prayer come before thee, incline thine ear unto my cry, for my soul is full of troubles, and my life draweth nigh unto the grave. I am counted with them that go down in the pit. I am as a man that has no strength, and yet here he is, he's praying to God, because God will uh, take away that situation. He, he can lift the stress off you. He can give you strength through, through prayer and connecting to the, to the supernatural uh, spirit of Almighty God and, and understanding uh, that God can raise you out of your situation because if we don't do that, if we don't pray, if we don't connect with God, we're stuck. We're, we're left with this troubled situation that we already can't handle on ourselves. We, we can't fix on our own because our own pride has tried to fix it first and, and then we finally go to God and say, oh, God, I'm troubled. Uh, God, I, I've tried everything, but I can't do it. And I, I'm stressed out and I'm weak. And, uh, and, and Jesus says, uh, cast your cares upon me uh, because I care for you. And I want to take those burdens off you and, and, and help you out. And so, but if we do not pray, then we're, then we're left just being troubled and left being stressed and left being weak in this world. Look at the people out there that don't go to church and, and don't believe in God or really don't pray or don't connect with God, they're, they're troubled. They don't know where to go. Where do you go when, when the whole world's turning against you? Where, where do you go when you're stressed? The counselors, I've, 
I mean, they can only help so much, but they don't fix everything uh, because not everything is a, is a natural thing. Some things are spiritually uh, affecting us. Sometimes there's, there's spirits that are oppressing and, and depressing people and, 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 and that spirit of heaviness coming upon people. You can't counsel the spirit of heaviness out. No, you're going to have to pray that out, and you're going to have to get a hold of God and learn to understand to rebuke that spirit and, and rebuke the spirit of fear, whatever, whatever is binding or, or troubling somebody. Many Many battles have to be won through prayer because it is a spiritual thing. And if it can be fixed through the physical, that's great. You don't necessarily need God. But uh, we want to we go to God for everything. And the way we go to God, as the psalmist says, let my prayer come before thee, God. Here's my situation. I'm troubled. Uh, I'm stressed out. I'm weak. Uh, it's, it doesn't look good for me, but hey, I know where to go. I know how to call upon the name of the Lord. I know that the name of Jesus is greater than any name. And so I'm going to call upon that, and I'm going to listen for his voice because I, I am his sheep, and I know his voice. Why? Because uh, he's my friend, and I communicate with him, and we understand each other. Musicians, if you would come. Number 11 reveals a lack of a burden and compassion for others. Reveals the lack of a burden and compassion for others. This is not in here, but uh, didn't Jesus say, pray for your enemies? Pray for your enemies. Ephesians 6 and 18, as we read it before, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Praying is not just about us. Praying is about praying for other people's needs. As we do, we do here corporately, as we take up the offering, we, as a body, we pray for the needs of others. Uh, but uh, again, this, is, this shouldn't be the only place that that happens, that spiritual activity, that prayer happens. Uh, because uh, we are called to do it out there as well. And so uh, praying with all uh, perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And so when, you, when you're praying for somebody, that, that, that shows you, 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 you care about them and you, you, you have compassion for them. And, and so uh, the worst thing that we can do for somebody is not to pray for them. Because we all say we believe in the power of prayer, and so if we care about somebody, the best thing that we can do is pray for them. Because we know that can do wonders. I mean, we can help their meet their physical needs the best that we can, but uh, uh, praying for somebody can do a whole lot more than just handing them out whatever they need. Yeah, it, it'll meet a temporary need, but uh, praying for somebody can meet that spiritual need and fill that that hole in their soul and uh, and lead them to uh, a church that preaches the truth and they can get baptized in Jesus' name and fill with the Holy Ghost. That's what they really need in their life. They don't need just a handout. They don't need just a card, they don't need a blessing. What they need is to get a hold of the living God, and they need, they need to be filled with the Holy Ghost speaking out of the tongues. That's what they really need, and they don't really understand that. Uh, and so uh, being a prayerful person and praying for somebody is one of the greatest things that we can do for them and, and shows our compassion for them. Uh, James 5.16, again, we've, we've mentioned this before, confess your faults one to another, pray for one another. Ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so, again, we're told to pray for others. And uh, again, there's many instances in the Bible of scriptures where people intercede and stand in the gap for other people. Uh, 
uh, that, that shows that, you know, we're, we're connected to God. We're, we feel the heartbeat of God. And, and when God says, who can I send or who, who can stand in the gap and who can, who can go for me? And if we're connected to the heartbeat of God, then we'll say, God, send me. God, God, God move on me to pray for somebody because I, I feel your heartbeat, God. I, I feel you, you, you're concerned about this person, and I want to I wanna stand in the gap and pray for them. And that's, that's just being a vessel of God and, and being connected to what he wants us to do. And so, uh, number 12, you stand with me tonight. Number 12, prayerlessness is a sin against God. 1 Samuel 12, 23. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. God forbid that I should sin against God and not pray. But I will teach you the good and right way. You can also throw in James 4 and 17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is a sin. We all know prayer is good. We all know that we should pray. And so therefore, if we know it is good, and then we know that it is something we should do, and we, do not, we don't do it, then to him it is a sin. And so, being the friend of God, this, I think, uh, apart from being born again, Acts 2.38, and, and, and following and obeying the gospel, I believe that this is the strongest connection that draws somebody from, from being the enemy of God into a friendship with God, is prayer. It's the greatest asset that we have. Uh, it's people liken it saying prayer is like air to the Christian. Like if, if we don't have air in our lungs, we're dying. But if we're not praying to God, how, how are we connected to our source uh, if we're not praying and connected to God? Uh, verses there say it's a sin not to pray. Uh, and so we understand that uh, all the uh, effects uh, and uh, uh, effects that it has on us as an individual by not praying Is, is, is amazing to see. And we understand the, the, the flip side of it. That's why we went to, we, we went to the prayerlessness side because we understand all the good things that prayer does and excites our faith. Yeah, 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 we want to we wanna do that. But the other side, what does prayerlessness do? What, what happens when we don't pray? And so the reality of it is is that if we are the friends of God, if we are His children, and we're, we we gotta, we got to stay connected to Him. And we got to grab a hold of the heartbeat of God. And the only way we're going to do that is through prayer and, and communicating with God. And, and so, uh, God, we, we understand. We, 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 we talk about how, how we want to see revival. And, and I know we're, we're, we're going to see it. Uh, but that's going to take much prayer and much fasting. As I, I preached on Sunday, the, the sacrifice, what, 
the, our sacrifice in the beginning is going to see uh, the, the, the demonstration of God in our lives. And so if we want to see the Spirit of God pour out in these last days in, in Fort Myers, somebody's going to have to start praying for these people. Somebody's going to have to say, God, use me, Lord. Send me, Lord, to reach somebody. Send me, Lord, to, to minister to somebody and to, to do something in their lives, to be a witness to somebody. Uh, because uh, uh, not praying, you're not going to get that message. But if we're saying, God, use me, God, help me help me to be a better friend and help me to feel your heartbeat and, and, and to desire the things of righteousness and, and to live a more holy and righteous life, the only way that's going to come out is through prayer and seeking his face. And I, I want to I be sure to be praying more than I ever have before because uh, things aren't looking too great out there and that we should be hitting our knees more than ever before because we don't know where else to go. Where else are we going to go? You can't go to the to the government. You can't go to the world for help. We got to go to Jesus Christ. We got to go to our Savior. He's going to meet our needs. He's going to re release the stress and trouble from our soul. And so we're going to call upon him more than ever before. Amen. As we begin to sing this song, I want to just close our eyes. And why don't we just begin to reach out to the Lord. Just to open up our hearts and say, God, here I am, Lord. Use me, Jesus. I wanna, I wanna hear your voice. I wanna be connected to you, Jesus. I wanna know you, Lord, greater than ever before. That's where you'll find Help me, Jesus. Be a better friend. Be a better follower of you, not just in word, but in deed. When we seek His face, He'll draw near to you, Jesus.
tonight hallelujah jesus we praise you we magnify you we lift you up jesus the name that is above in every name lord we thank you god for your grace and your mercy we thank you for your word god help us lord to be doers of your word lord and not just hearers only help us lord to be better friends to seek your face god see the thing about god is if our life if our past if we haven't been the greatest friend we haven't been the greatest communicator, if we haven't been the greatest prayer warrior, we can ask God to forgive us and we can start again tomorrow. We can wake up tomorrow on a new path, on a new journey, say, God, I'm determined now more than ever, I'm going to talk with you. I'm going to build a relationship and I'm going to build a, a prayer life and a prayer walk with you. We can do that tomorrow. We can do that tonight because God's grace is sufficient for us. And he's not going to condemn us, but he's going to draw us closer and say, hey, come and spend some more time with me. Come come and come and talk with me a little while. I, I want to be there with you. You're my friend, and I'm your friend, and, and let's talk together, and, and let's walk together through this life. Man, I'm, I'm excited for uh, where God is taking us as a church and individually. Man, we're all going to be stronger uh, each and every day. The more we seek him, the more we grab a hold of him, amen, the better we're going to be, amen. We need more of him and less of us, less of this world, amen, and we're going to call on Jesus, amen. Amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name. Let's go and be more prayerful in our lives.